the worst thing is probably is that they put a timer on it. And then there's a timer going, and if that timer goes to zero, all your files will be deleted. So, hello and welcome to the very first episode of the Surfshark Wave podcast. This is very exciting because, not only because of the first episode, but because I also have a very special guest with me today. Introduce yourself, please. So, yes, uh, my name is Ludvikas. I am a team lead of our Windows applications team. What I found interesting about you is that your work experience also includes you working at NASA as an intern. You also worked in the aviation industry. Yes, that is very true. And uh, yeah, first experience real world was at NASA. It sounds uh, like uh, <laughs> it's something like out of the movie because me myself, I'm extremely passionate about like, you know, all the NASA missions. I watched all the documentaries and all that. I went there uh, for an internship uh, during my uh, studies at the university. And I have a, an engineering diploma, electronics engineering. So I went there to do some project uh, regarding electronics engineering. Uh, we used uh, renewable resources to make certain kind of apparatus for polar traveler to make, uh, so they be able to make uh, water out of ice. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so yeah, I made the, the apparatus, the data logging equipment. and That sounds fascinating. And the, yeah, that prototype flown uh, to Antarctica cool. to be tested. So um, I just mentioned how you also worked in the aviation industry. So how did that come about? I was always interested in aviation, maybe because my father used to work there. I think he was the one who dragged me into this and I went to work for an air navigation services provider. Mm. So um, yeah, and it was, I think it was very, very good experience uh, to see the, like Just what's happening it. behind the curtains. So uh, how does uh, a person like you go you know, from NASA to aviation industry, and how do you, what happened in your career at that point where you said, you know, I want to stop this, I just want to try something new? Programming was always in the background and, uh, well, reached a point in my career that, well, I thought that I need to grow faster and to improve much more, and thus uh, I chose to get involved in programming full-time. Okay. Why did you choose Windows app development specifically? Why not Android or iOS or Mac OS? Why, why specifically Windows? Well, uh, yeah, I started my like uh, more serious uh, software development uh, career from Windows since like there was a need from my then current company to develop some tools for the staff. So you were kind of pushed to do it, like in a way. So, so like it was required, so it's like, I'm going to do it. No, I actually saw an opportunity and just grabbed it. Okay. Now, what I find interesting about your career specifically uh, in this company, in Surfshark, is that, you know, usually people who work, uh, who work in those big positions like yours, like team lead, uh, head of this, head of that, they usually gather experience from other companies and they already join that new company as head of, you know, that specific department. So what's the secret behind like you going, jumping through positions so quickly and uh, going up to where you are now? Well, it's a combination of multiple factors. I think it's, I think first is determination, just knowing what I actually want and uh, where, where I want to be. But on the other hand, there are like uh, creating value and showing to the people around you that you bring uh, something more to the table and you can push yourself, the team and uh, the product forward. So I think um, 
by, again, prioritizing things in my everyday life, I managed to like a strike a pretty good balance in growth and like uh, pushing, so, pushing myself and the team. Forward. So you like to inspire people in your team around you? Well, I like leading by example. I'm, I'm not much like an inspirer or, or whatnot. Just showing like uh, by working hard and uh, by motivating others, I can like, uh, we all can reach big goals and, yeah, and score, uh, score big results. I think that's really important. I mean, if it, it really changes the mood quite a bit when you're working with people who are hard workers. Um, Recently, we made a video, it was What's New in Surfshark episode for January. And in the video, we talk about how the Surfshark app on all platforms completely changed in 2021. And obviously, one of the biggest reasons for that was Surfshark One launch. Mm -hmm. And that was huge for you guys. And we'll talk about that later in the show as well. But I wanted to hear your perspective on the history of our app, how it changed, and the features we added, and all in, in between. Well, when I joined, our focus was on VPN exclusively, and uh, we were like uh, a VPN company, and we've moved on from that image. And then, uh, bit by bit, by like observing the what's happening in the world, and uh, well, we needed to grow to become more of a full-fledged uh, privacy and security suite uh, rather than going uh, only just being a VPN. Yeah. Reason. Yeah. So that's why we decided to make Surfshark One as a package of uh, four uh, four products uh, that we that we do, and uh, the, the last one to come in was antivirus. Oh yeah, so uh, antivirus. Just how excited was to jump into the world of antivirus? It was very uh, like daunting at first, since like you know there are those players who are in in this industry for. Uh, since, when, the be- since the beginning. Right? Yes, yeah, actually, since the beginning of like uh, the internet or, uh, yeah. So it was daunting at first, but when we uh, started and uh, first results, uh, well, we've created something and we, we, we were able to show some results, then uh, like, um, then we got into this, uh, let's push and let's create something uh, that uh, our customers would enjoy using. So let's talk about viruses. Um, And, you know, what's scary to me is that, okay, maybe catching a virus isn't as easy as it used to be back in, you know, 1990s, early 2000s. But the viruses themselves, like, if you do catch them, it's extremely scary. Like, one of the viruses that scare me, the the living bejesus out of me, is the, it's the ransomware one. Mm -hmm. Because it's, uh, for those of you who don't know, ransomware, they, if you catch it on your computer or on your phone, it will encrypt, is it uh, all files? It might be all files, it might be selected files. Well, it, ha- it depends on the uh, on that, on on the, the creator of the, of the ransomware. Yeah, so it might encrypt your, your photos, your music, uh, your you know, documents, whatever, and then they will, this message will pop up and it will ask you to send money, like big sum, to maybe a crypto address or I don't know, PayPal, I'm not sure, like something that's not super traceable. And what's the worst thing is probably is that they put a timer on it. And there's like timer going in. And if that timer goes to zero, all your files will be deleted. So yeah, like I said, maybe it's not easy to catch a virus, but if you do catch one like ransomware, it's, I mean, that's just, it's game over. Like for, for me, who has like tons of family photos or works related documents on, on their devices. 
Um, but maybe you have like, maybe you know some of the viruses that are also just as scary as this one. Well, ransomware viruses scare me a lot as well. Uh, well, other viruses are like, uh, most of them are uh, used to create botnets. And, uh, and what is a botnet? Well, it's uh, like a network of computers uh, used to start and propagate uh, denial-of-service attacks. Okay. So, so DDoS attacks. Yes, DDoS. Well, this is basically why, why the botnets are used. Another use uh, for botnet is like mining cryptocurrency. So let me get this straight. So they're going to use your computer to attack uh, a service of some kind yes. or a website, or they can use it to mine crypto. So that, that's also not good. And especially if, if you have like a gaming computer with an amazing graphics card or something like that, you don't want that to be mining uh, crypto for someone. Um, let me see. Here's a question from one of your colleagues. Okay. How are viruses made? And what kind of programming language is used to create them? Well, viruses are programs uh, just like any other, but they are created to solve like a figurative problem of a hacker or uh, some sort of malicious actor. And uh, well, mainly they are created with uh, lower level uh, programming languages. Lower level meaning not that they are worse or something, but they are just closer to the hardware. Okay. Uh, meaning like uh, C, C++, uh, Go recently. So uh, I think these are the main tools to make uh, good buyers. And also, I guess, uh, building on that question is, could you yourself write a virus? Mm, well, I, I, think, I, I think I could. <laughs> okay. But I, I don't think I would. <laughs> okay. We, we thank you for it. Uh, the world is a safer place. And, uh, you know, today, most antiviruses use uh, AI mm -hmm. to quickly detect malware. But do you think that AI could start making malware and viruses? Mm, it's a very, uh, very likely proposition. I think. Um, you really? You think it's, it w it could happen? I think I think it could. Yes. Um, since well, you would uh, have to create uh, an AI to do that, but uh, well, it, it's possible. Okay. Now I spoke with Nick, uh, one of our system engineers, and one of the things that he said is that, and I thought I would bring this up to you. He said that Windows is the easiest platform to get hacked on. And I was wondering, maybe you want to rebuttal that. Yeah, it's, it's, I think it's the easiest platform to hack. Why is that? Because we, we don't really hear too many words about like viruses on Linux or you know, Mac OS. But Windows gets this rep all the time. It's like, it's, it's the one that you're going to get hacked most. It's the one that's unsafest. I think it happens because there are many more users of Windows uh, machines rather than Linux or Mac. And uh, hackers try to, like, uh, they are, I think they are rational people and they, they are trying to uh, get the most uh, out of as little as possible. So meaning like they put in least work and they can attack uh, many devices. So I think that's why and historically it's been going like this. Uh, just targeting the largest audience and uh, trying uh, and uh, seeing what, what works. Now, from a Windows app developer point of view, just how good is Windows 11 and have you tried it yet? Um, spoiler alert, it's Windows 10 with a new wrapper on yeah. it. Um, 
It looks nice and... Uh, it does look nice. It looks more up-to-date, but I kind of like the uh, Windows flat design, uh, okay. I mean, of the Windows uh, 10. They added rounded corners everywhere now. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> I'm not saying they're trying to copy someone, but they might be. Uh, not going to mention who <laughs> Yes, so... Uh, but I think it's a step uh, in the right direction and... Uh, looks visually nice. Oh yeah, it really does. Works well. But there's some things that just definitely annoy me about Windows 11. It's like they change the the context menu when you mm -hmm. right click something. Yeah. They give you less options now. And you have, you have to click an extra button to get mm -hmm. more options. And there's also by default the the start menu is in the middle, mm -hmm. which just drove me nuts. I had I just had to change it immediately. It was the first thing I changed. But you but you can customize it. Oh yeah, that's the good thing. That's the good thing about Windows. You can completely change it. Hell, if you I mean, if you're one of those viewers who really likes Windows XP and you're still running it, hey, you can go crazy. You can install a theme or something. That's the thing about Windows. You can just customize it however you want. For me, what Windows 11 did right is, was a lot of the gaming features that they have and the HDR and all that. So uh, that part is good, but some parts not so well. <laughs> um, and building on that question, what is the biggest thing that annoys you about Windows? Well, I think it's the... It's the uh, like historical parts of Windows are still there, like uh, the registry. Yeah. The uh, well, the re registry is like uh, one of the foundation blocks of uh, Windows, but uh, meaning all the different tools and um, and bits and pieces that uh, are. Uh, I think uh, they uh, the same uh, used to be in Windows Seven, and now they're in Windows. Which, is, which sounds unbelievable, but for me, I think it's the control panel. We still have the control yeah. panel. It's not fully integrated into the actual settings. Like uh, when we work with video production here on our YouTube channel, uh, sometimes we have to work with microphones, and the microphone settings are in the control panel. Mm -hmm. They're not in the settings, sound settings, and the window. So that annoys me. <laughs> yeah, this this kind of duality where we have uh, settings, but you still have the control panel that uh, does same things as settings oh. and then some. Uh, yeah, it's, it's like a sign that... Uh, Is it fair to say that that's a, really a programmer's nightmare, just working through legacy versions? Do you think they're, they're ever, they will ever just step out of that eventually? Mm. Or do you think that all these legacy systems are just built in, into the core of it and you just cannot take it out? I think it is very difficult to uh, to massively change something because, like, uh, I don't know what what the size of the code base for Windows is, but I, I I'd assume it's like a millions of lines. So, just to changing things is pretty pretty difficult for them. <laughs> I think you know, Windows does have antivirus built in already. So I just wanted to ask you, just sort of. Is it enough to have just the built-in antivirus? And do you really need to step it up just a notch to get to something better? Well, if you want to be very secure and feel much safer on the internet, I'd recommend using uh, a third-party antivirus. Such as Surfshark 1. Such as Surfshark 1, exactly. And uh, this is because, well, we have much newer and uh, our virus databases are updated much more uh, often, so we might uh, we can catch the newest uh, uh, viruses and the newest malware. And that's uh, fair to assume because I mean, when Microsoft has, it's a large company. It has so many different things that go in for it, and 
I think it does make sense where there's like there, there's a company that focuses on one thing, you know, they they have a dedicated team and all that, so it does make sense. And also, I feel like you know, built-in antiviruses they don't have many features compared to the ones that you know can be offered commercially. And I guess uh, now uh, it, it's probably a good time to talk about some of the community questions and user questions that we have. The Windows app is not perfect, and just I'm just wondering how hard and stressful is it to fix some of the issues that do come up to our app. I wouldn't say it's stressful, but it requires us like to go back and to review and revisit things, uh, which uh, sometimes might be difficult to, but, uh, but we manage. <laughs> okay. And I come from a customer success background, and, and one of the things that always came up and I was curious about, and we spoke many times about it as well, is about the bypasser feature, um, which you could probably agree uh, it did have some issues from time to time. What's the story behind the bypasser feature? And I know you mentioned one time that it requires like some really deep, low-level programming. Yes, it's it, it does. And um, well, to be completely honest with you, we do not have people uh, to do that. Uh, but we're trying to improve it with uh, with our current resources, so um, that's why it's not perfect. But we're looking into uh, into improving it this year, I think. And it's a very intricate feature. There's not many VPNs have it like at all. It's yeah. uh, in in the industry, and I guess it's probably a good time to also say that we are looking for Windows developers. Yes, who could help are. us make this feature as good as possible. That is very true. And another one uh, I want to ask you about was the kill switch, uh, because recently there was a, a lot of confusion within our Surfshark Reddit community about how exactly uh, kill switch works on Windows. So maybe you could address what changed exactly within the recent updates. Yeah, sure. So well, we went from like a hard kill switch approach to a soft one. Uh, well, meaning that uh, currently we activate the kill switch on. Well, basically, when the connection starts. Uh, so, and only if the connection drops without your input, then only then the kill switch is active and it stops your uh, internet traffic. But if you click uh, on disconnect, then the kill switch is deactivated. You will not be protected, but uh, that was your choice by clicking disconnect. So that is the soft solution. That is the soft solution, yes. Okay. And will there be an option, maybe, to set up uh, a hard versus soft solution? Well, we have, uh, I think we have plans for this, uh, and I think we'll do it this year. Oh, okay. And I think, uh, yeah, everyone's uh, use cases will be served. Oh, yeah. And that's probably another thing to mention about Surfshark uh, apps in general, is that I like how you can customize every part of the connection your kill switch, your auto-connect, your protocol. There's so many things you can customize to maybe most users is probably not something they were going to bother with, but for those super privacy-conscious users who care about their connection, I think they're going to be amazed like how many options we have. And uh, I guess this is also a good uh, you know, question to address is like if people are having issues, what is the best way to sort of for, to help users improve the app? Well, I can see two ways. Uh, one of them is to contact support, and if you have issues, try to solve those issues. And if you have ideas, they would relay it to us, and we always read uh, things by our, our uh, customers. 
another way is to join uh, our subreddit on Reddit and uh, mm. post your ideas there. Oh, yeah. People are very vocal on the subreddit on Surfshark. So, big shout out to our subreddit. We love you guys. Okay. What would be your, some of your recommendations for upcoming developers? Maybe you can recommend a specific language to study or start studying on. Do not attach yourself to any particular language and uh, try to learn how to solve problems. Just exercise your brain and try to learn as much as possible. And uh, no technology is bad technology. And uh, you have to eventually, uh, you will become uh, language agnostic and you will be able to solve problems in like uh, pseudo code. And that's, I think, uh, where you, you'd like to go. Okay. And is learning a new programming language is kind of like learning a new, like real language? Is it why it's called a programming language? Um, it, yeah, it has similarities since you have to learn uh, punctuation and vocabulary. Um, oh, I remember punctuation <laughs> and programming. But on the other hand, uh, it's different because you like have, uh, well, programming languages are used to express ideas, algorithms in a, like a readable way. Uh, so I think they are more like uh, specialized languages. Uh, and not like a general purpose language as we as we use uh, to speak. Okay. Now let's talk about uh, the situation that is very close to us, literally, um, and it's the situation that's going on right now in Ukraine. Uh, first of all, I want to address and give my condolences to anyone who's affected by this. And uh, what's going on right now there is absolutely terrible, uh, not just because what's going on, but also in the cyber world as well, uh, there's been reports of Ukraine government websites and state security services uh, being down due to DDoS attacks and that believed to have originated from Russia. So I just wanted to hear your point of view about just how dangerous uh, are these cyber attacks that are happening against Ukraine? Well, they are dangerous in a sense uh, that, uh, well, websites can be hacked or taken offline and uh, misinformation might be spread or information might not reach uh, people that it, it needs to. So I think uh, that's... So, it, so they can be manipulated. Yes. Like if you shut down a news website, um, it can be literally changing how people think about the situation. Yeah, and I think it's a big part uh, in what's happening. Uh, the information war is a very powerful thing, and uh, you need to, to be uh, aware of this. Yeah, terrible situation, but hopefully things get better. And I guess with, with all these attacks in mind, how crucial is it to use a VPN today in your everyday life with all, all of this going on? Uh, well, the cyber attacks uh, are increasing every day and uh, you have to try to make the life of uh, the bad actors as, uh, as difficult as possible. So you wouldn't be blocked from uh, trustworthy news sources and uh, other things that... Uh, sort of like change your opinion yeah, from the right one. Um, now, I recently read an interview with a cybersec expert. You know, they, they were asked, what is the one tip that you would give to someone in the whole world to improve their online security? Uh, and they said it would be to enable 2FA for literally anyone, two-factor authentication. Do you agree that two-factor authentication is the best form of security? And do you have any other tips you could share? 
I think it's it's very important to to enable TFA uh, where where you can, and uh, most of the uh, websites and services allow that and encourage that actually. Um, yes. Yeah, so um, another thing would be to change your password regularly, um, and maybe even try to use password managers to and to create uh, passwords that are like. Uh, Impossible to just yeah guess. hundreds uh, of characters length, uh, so they would be uh, extremely secure. It would be extremely difficult to uh, crack them, and uh, of course another line of defense is to FA. And uh, if the password gets leaked somewhere, then you uh, you still yeah you still have the uh, the two FA to secure you. And that's I guess a good time to say that if you are concerned about any of your passwords that are leaking anywhere you need to use Surfshark Alert to really know each database. You'll be notified when a database does you know, leak and is exposed, so you can change your password as soon as possible. And uh, we are actually nearing to the end of the show, and uh, what are you doing right after this podcast? Uh, is there something you're working on right now that you could share as well? Yes, we're working on antivirus and... Uh pushing like hell and trying to... Uh, I saw your uh, Slack uh, <laughs> status bar and I saw it's like eating Surfshark 1 for breakfast. No, eating other ones for breakfast. Oh, other ones? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Uh, it's a big project and it's still going on. It is a big project and we... And my question is, if you could have one product out of Surfshark 1, mm -hmm. see what I did there? Yes. Which one would it be? Um, it's a difficult question. Well, my baby, uh, my baby is the antivirus, but I think uh, you're biased towards that. I know. I, I have this this love to the VPN part, and uh, I just cannot and would not let it go. So I think it's the VPN, but but I love antivirus as well. Okay. Okay. Um, I would pick a VPN as well. It's just there's so many features that a VPN can offer. It's just I use it every day. Anyway. Um, so that's it. That's the first episode of the Surfshark Wave podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you enjoyed, please give it a like. You know, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Follow us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. There's many more episodes coming out. And that's going to be it from me and Ludvikas. Goodbye. Bye-bye.